Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. I am here with Jennifer Kwame. Jennifer, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. It's it's good to good to meet you. I'm looking forward to talking about your new book. Linda Oliver is also here. Linda, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Um, Jennifer, before we jump into your new book, which I'm excited about, and I want to tell everyone that the title of that book is More to the Story, Deep Answers to Real Questions on Attraction, Identity, and Relationships. There, there's so much you cover in this book, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. But why don't you, since this is your first time on the podcast, tell our listeners where you're joining us from and a little bit about your family. Sure. Well, I'm joining you from Blaine, Minnesota. It's a suburb north of Minneapolis. So we have some snow up here. Um, I have been married to my husband, Greg, for 17 years, and we have three kids at home. And, and we were talking a yeah. little bit before you guys were building a snowman just yesterday, which is a little bit different from Mississippi, where I am. <laughs> Yeah, the kids have been complaining that it's cold, but no snow lately. So when we got our first inch of snow yesterday, they were out there right away making a snowman. <laughs> yes, it's been quite a while since my kids have built a snowman in Mississippi. Um, <laughs> Linda, I don't know, like for you in Florida. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, Jennifer, like I said, in, in just a little bit, uh, we're going to to dig into your book more to the story. Um, but something as I was, you know, reading your bio, I see you've been in youth ministry for 20 years and I just feel like there should be a round of applause for, for that <laughs> to, to make it in youth ministry for, for this long. So maybe how did you get into youth ministry? Where did you, you begin? Um, yeah, just, just give us some background there. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's an interesting story of how God brought me here. Uh, I didn't plan to go into youth ministry, but my youth pastor and youth group in high school was very instrumental in my own faith walk. And so I wanted to be a part of that, I guess, for other students. And so when I started college, I wanted to find a church where I could just volunteer and help with the youth ministry and uh, kind of stumbled onto this little church not too far from my college campus that uh, I just loved it because it was a a small but intergenerational, very family feel kind of church. And so I was just included right away and able to find places to serve very quickly. So I volunteered with the youth group all through college. And then the summer that I graduated, our then youth pastor had left to start a church plant. And rather than hire someone else on, we had some young people at the time that wanted to take on different parts of it and learn to teach and do youth ministry. So they just asked me to kind of keep it all organized. (laughs) And so I did that alongside a different full-time job for a little while. And in that process, just found my heart drawn more and more toward ministry. And so I did it sort of full-time for a little while in between there after I got married before I had kids. And then of course the the kids have just 
cause things to shift a little bit, but my church has been great as far as just some of the flexibility with that. So yeah, I work part-time at the church overseeing our little youth ministry and yeah, this uh, September was 20 years total. So it's kind of crazy, but my whole adult life. So since a freshman in college, so it's been my church family. Wow. So 20, 20 years at the same church. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. See, that is just like, that is what I noticed that I was like, okay, here's someone who's been in youth ministry for 20 years at the same church and you're a woman. That is exceedingly rare. Praise the Lord that you exist. <laughs> um, yeah. It's been wish- good for my soul as well. <laughs> I wish there could be a way we could, I don't know, just, um, issue a call of, Hey, who fits in that category? Because I feel like you might be the only one, um, that uh, <laughs> like all of those boxes that Linda was just kind of checking off there. Um, not only 20 years, 20 years at the same church, 20 years at the same church as a woman as well. Um, is, is something rare. So sincerely just thank you for your, your long service there. I mean, longevity in ministry is such an important thing. Um, and, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's even more important when you're talking about students um, because I've seen so many students. I mean, the, the, the difficulty when a youth worker leaves uh, just what they go through and the pain there for them and all of that. And so j- just curious, even, you know, speaking to that, um, have you been able to just kind of witness some of the longevity with your students through the years? And I'm thinking, you know, you've seen students graduate plenty of times and, probably go off and start families of their own. I mean, just talk a little bit about that longevity. Um, There are some really sweet blessings with it in the long-term relationships, both um, just in being at the same church, the people that have invested in my life since I was a college freshman and all the way through those different life stages and now investing in my kids. And then on the student ministry side, yeah, I mean, it, Fewer of them are still like around at our church than I would prefer. Some of many of them are serving in other places. And of course, some of them you just lose track of over the years. But the ones that have stuck around, you know, I think of one couple at our church that they both were in my student ministry. And yeah, now they have their own kids and we're good friends. And there's just a sweetness to that that is unique when you stay someplace a while. Absolutely. And, you know, it can also make us feel a little old too at the same time. Um, (laughs) Maybe that's one of the negatives of, oh, wow, that person used to be in my youth ministry. Um, Right. (laughs) Well, um, I'd love to shift a little bit more talking about your book, uh, More to the Story. Uh, But let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talk more about that. All right, everyone, I'm back uh, here with Jennifer Kwame and Linda Oliver. Uh, We're talking about Jennifer's book, More to the Story, Deep Answers to Real Questions on Attraction, Identity, and Relationships. Um, And as I said, you cover a lot of ground in this book, and you talk about a lot of sensitive uh, subjects. I mean, I'm just glancing at the table of contents, uh, gender, singleness, intimacy, uh, sexual orientation, screens, dating, abuse. Um, th- th- there's a lot there. 
but, but let's just begin. Okay, how did this book come about? Uh, when did you think you wanted to sit down and begin writing this book? Yeah, I think it began gradually. I just had a growing burden on my heart for the students that I saw um, where this area of sexuality had in many ways become a watershed issue for their faith. Like this became for some of them kind of a primary issue where they're wrestling, do I want to follow Jesus or not? And some of it came down to how do I reconcile with the culture is telling me and really pushing about what is good in the sense and what it means to love people and um, who we are even with what I hear the Bible is saying, which sometimes how it's portrayed hasn't always sounded like good news. And so, you know, wrestling with that and students that even were leaving the church or their faith over it and feeling like, well, if, you know, there will always be people that choose something else rather than Jesus. But to the extent where some of the time I feel like maybe we didn't communicate that as well as we could have. And how, you know, did, have we really been able to show God's heart and his love and how this is good, you know, how the Bible's teaching is good news, even for this area. And even when it is so opposed to a lot of things, the culture around us is telling them that kind of breaks my heart. Like if they're leaving because we just haven't communicated this well, that breaks my heart. And so I started just looking around for what resources and, and there are some great ones for adults, but I just wasn't finding any that were written directly to students in a way they can understand about their world. And uh, I'm in a network with a bunch of other youth workers in my area. And we started having these conversations. Well, what do you use? And everyone was kind of like, there's not one that I highly recommend. And I was like, man, this is a hole. There should be. And a friend of mine was, my degree was in writing. So he was like, well, you're the writer. You should probably write it. And I just kind of laughed at him. <laughs> but it was one of those things that kind of stuck of, well, you know, what would that look like? And um, I figured the chances were pretty slim, honestly, of getting a publisher when I was my first time uh, doing this. But I thought, well, if God has really put this on my heart, I'll just send it out there and see what happens. And here we are. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, because, yeah, I mean, j just a few things you said. One, um, it, it's so sad uh, to, to see these weighty issues younger Christians are having to, to deal with. Um, in some ways, in other ways, it's the Lord's using it to, to sharpen these these students. But but it's it's really sad if the church has miscommunicated the beauty or just lacked to communicate anything. And so, yeah, just thanking you for, for writing this because yes, in, in my years of student ministry, I can remember finding so many good books, but thinking, man, I wish they had a version of this for students. And so just, yeah, thankful that you can add this, this resource to that. Um, Linda, I know you, you had something you wanted to ask kind of about the beginnings mm -hmm. of the book as well. Yeah, I think in the beginning of the book, um, it just struck me kind of what you were getting at a minute ago, the idea of you just want to communicate this well. And you start out the book by saying um, essentially that God has made our hearts and our bodies to crave intimacy. Um, talk about why you felt it was important to start there. Hmm. I think 
when I started this whole project, I really wanted to avoid making the book something that was mainly behavioral. I really wanted it to be centered around an understanding of the gospel story. And so part of that is just why does this area of sexuality matter? Why does it matter what I do with my body or what pronouns I use or what kind of relationship I'm in? And so I just felt like to undergird all of those important questions, but we can't start there. There has to be kind of a foundational understanding of of the gospel and of the story of scripture and how we fit into that in order to answer those questions, I think, in a compelling way. And so starting from the framework of how God has designed us to know him and to um, how he has pursued us and how all of these different gifts in our relationships and marriage in particular is meant to be this picture of Christ and the church and his love for us. I think that has to be a foundational understanding in order for some of those other things to really make sense and to be more than just, here's a list of rules of what the Bible says we can and can't do, which um, I think is what turns a lot of students away, but to be like, no, there's a lot more going on here than just that. And there's a, a big and really beautiful reason undergirding all of those things. Yeah, that that's really good. And, you know, it seems like there, there's, there's so many times uh, it seems like students can say, okay, well, this is the gospel and the gospel's over here, but here's all these other things we need to talk about. And uh, I mean, like you're saying, and like your, your book does, I mean, the gospel is the foundation for all of this. And if we skip over it and just jump into, you know, talking about identity or body or, or whatever, um, we're going to miss the beauty of it and, and the significance of um, uh, just the gospel message. Um, just curious too, as I kind of rattled through some of the, the topics that you cover, uh, I'm just wondering if you were intimidated <laughs> by this, um, as you're writing on, I mean, some of the most hot button issues, were you ever writing this and thinking, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this uh, might actually go out into print and other people might read it. Just talk a little bit about maybe some of those inner struggles. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, I, there probably were multiple times in the process where I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, just, uh, <laughs> uh, just knowing we live in such a culture of outrage, people love to be upset about things and you just know this is going to be one of those things. And do I really want to, to do this? Um, and I just had to keep coming back to it. I mean, I want students to know the gospel. And like you said, this is an opportunity in an area of pain and an area of questions where I think we have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And so I'm willing to to step into that. But um, yes, I felt intimidated multiple times. They are, it's a lot of topics that are not only really important, but really sensitive and some pain points for a lot of students. And so just wanting to tread carefully and graciously and really had the desire that wherever students were starting from, they would feel seen and understood, even if they, you know, had different perspectives and opinions than where I'm trying to lead. Um, I would say one of the challenges was just in what language um, to use for some of those really sensitive topics like um, I think the gender and orientation and desire chapters, even 
and just realizing how many different phrases have different implications for different people or different kinds of trigger words, or I don't want to necessarily have all the baggage that this phraseology might have for different groups of people, but also have to be able to say something and say it clearly to a student and not with big theological terms or whatever. So yeah, it was a challenge. I'm very thankful. I had a lot of people review it and give feedback along the way. My editor was wonderful, but um, also other people from various backgrounds that were able to speak into it that I think have helped that a lot. But yeah, it was a big project. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes people, people don't understand that, you know, it's one thing to write about these topics um, for adults. It's another thing when you're trying to write it for, for students, there, there's actually just a level or a layer of complication. Um, like you said, the terminology, everything, there's a greater sensitivity, all of that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Um, Linda, I want you to jump in, but I'm curious too, when you said you had people uh, review this, did, did you have any students read portions of this or give you any kind of feedback on that? Or were these some talks that even you, you've given to students? Sure. Yeah, we did have a handful of students read drafts of it and give feedback, um, which was really helpful just to to hear anything that stood out to them or questions that they had about it. Um, some of it is things that I've adapted from like message series that I've taught at youth group in the past. Although I think that was my initial thought is, Oh, I've taught this a bunch of times. I'll just like put it in a book <laughs> and realizing it doesn't quite translate to just take like a, um, a message from youth group and just put it in a chapter. So there was a lot more reworking than, maybe it was initially anticipating, but I think it made it a lot better in the end of, yeah, it just has to read more like a, more like a book that students like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've been hitting on just the, how complicated it is to address these topics um, with students. And my mind is just thinking about parents, right? So as youth leaders, we work with parents, but we also do have some parents that listen to this podcast and you can even speak directly to them because I think a lot of parents are just really bewildered by all the change that's happening around sexuality and gender, right? Like how how would you speak to them and encourage them about how they can engage their teens on these topics? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think my biggest, I don't know, one suggestion is just to view it as a long conversation as far as not not one long conversation necessarily, but all of these little moments that you have with uh, your teens, just when something's on TV or it's in the news or they're talking about a friend that has different struggles or is taking different pronouns or whatever the different situations are to use those all as moments, just to ask curious questions, to kind of feel out where they are, to be able to talk about biblical truth in, in natural ways that let your teens know nothing's off limits to talk about. Like these are all things that we can bring and hopefully students know that if they have, if they're struggling or wrestling with things that their parents feel like a safe place where they can talk about it because those things have been brought up before and they've been able just to have conversations about it. I think prayer is really important. I mean, it is tough. I just think understanding of 
how hard it can be for students to hold to biblical convictions with their friends when there's kind of this um, mentality of if you can't agree with everything that I am saying that I believe or that I want to be that then you're not loving me like that's a tough place to put any of us into but teenagers in particular so being able to empathize with the challenges that they are facing with probably friends at school or other places and trying to navigate that. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, as you're talking about the difficulty for students uh, clinging to big biblical conviction, um, I just think we, we underestimate uh, the, the weightiness of social media on this. I mean, when they're hearing um, from, you know, just the culture that, I mean, you're, um, an insensitive, you know, unloving, harsh, uh, graceless person. If you're not affirming this or, or, or whatever it may be. And, you know, you think of a 10 year old processing that or a 12 year old. And, uh, I mean, yeah, just the, the weightiness there of, of what they're, they're trying to, uh, to cling to when they have this biblical conviction. Um, yeah, I just think we as adults really need to be as you said, empathetic uh, for what they're, what they're facing. Um, you know, again, kind of digging into some of the the specifics of, of this book. I mean, there's so much uh, when, you know, even dating, I think of all the the questions I've had through the years about dating and kind of specifically what you address, what we can and can't, or what, what can we and can't we do? I mean, that that's kind of the, you know, where is the line? Um, but then also, I mean, something like abuse uh, that you mentioned in this book. I mean, that's something Linda and I were talking beforehand of something so important to bring up, uh, but something so difficult and, and sensitive to talk about. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that section of, um, you know, as you, you were thinking, okay, I'm writing this for students. Um, here's a very sensitive topic, but as we would all agree, it's, something we need to talk about and not avoid. Um, so maybe just talk a little bit about that section. Hmm. Yeah, I think the abuse one was not initially on my uh, list when I was writing out topics. And then the more that I was thinking and praying through it, um, just like, man, this is an area, sadly, where a lot of teens, uh, they've experienced that. And it it needs to at least be acknowledged and hopefully help just point them in a direction where they can start to seek help and find healing. You know, it's like, well, one chapter, I mean, with so many of these topics, but abuse in particular, one chapter isn't going to solve anything, but hopefully it will help them just be able to see accurately what has happened to them, that it's not their fault, that they need to find help and healing and just God's perspective on, um, his heart for the oppressed and for the suffering and his justice for those who bring that, um, I hope is an encouragement to students. And I do hope that some of the resources there will help point them to a place where they can seek more long-term help. Yeah. I love that you included a chapter on that. There is definitely a distinct point in my ministry when I started realizing, um, that sometimes we would teach lessons, not even specifically about sexuality at all. It'd be a lesson where maybe we'd be talking about 
um, authority and submitting to authority. And I realized if I didn't also say something on the other end of things, I could send some really bad unintentional messages to those who have seen or experienced um, someone abusing their authority. You know, like I don't want students to hear, hey, like it's always you're the one who's the problem if you're not submitting to authority because if someone is misusing their power, God hates that. And God has a heart for the oppressed and God is not for what that person is doing. And so, yeah, I just think it's so important for us to to think about that side of things and make sure we aren't sending those wrong, unintentional uh, messages by by addressing things like abuse and, and bringing that up. Um, Jennifer, I know, as I said, one of the uh, sections discusses uh, just gender identity. And, and I'd love for you to just kind of tell us what what's some of the advice that you have uh, for parents out there who might have a child who's who's struggling uh, with their their gender identity, or even a youth worker out there who might have a student who's, who's struggling with this. What's some advice that you give? Hmm. Yeah, that can be really tough. I think the first thing I would tell parents is just make sure you are clinging to Jesus for yourself. And uh, prayer, I think, is so important. It sounds like a cop out or something, but it's not, you know, it's so powerful. And I think to not necessarily expect quick answers and shortcuts, you know, this perhaps will be a long journey. Um, and that's okay, you know, to, to just remember Jesus is sufficient for whatever journeys our kids take, and they all look different. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier, but just to ask curious questions, to not jump to conclusions about what they're thinking and why and what their beliefs are, what their experiences are, what they're hearing from friends, um, but to just ask them about the things. Um, and especially if, especially for the times that we need to speak hard truth, you know, even loving truth, biblical truth, and it's good, but when it's hard to hear, just to couple that with extra ways of showing love in ways that they can understand and receive and appreciate um, because a lot of times they're, they're taught even to take disagreement as being unloving. And so we just have to be able to kind of combat that by showing extravagant love in the ways that we can and just letting them know those doors are always open for conversations and that you love them, even if they disagree with you and you're there for them. And it, and yet, yeah, to be willing to to go to those hard conversations and have them. Um, I think one of the conversations that I think is really important in the whole gender discussion is just identity in a broader sense. Um, and that's why I think I, I had a chapter on identity before the chapter on gender, just because, again, I felt like this is foundational um, because in our world, Students are just taught, like, you get to create your own identity, you can be whoever you want to be, and there's not only a lot of, they consider it freedom, but there's also a lot of pressure to, like, you have to define yourself in these different ways and make something of yourself, and biblically, that's not the case. We are given our identity by our creator that designed and made us um, in his image and designed us uniquely as individuals, and even 
as believers that we have this new identity in Christ. And all of that is a gift and all of that is something we just receive from God. And so I think it, it pushes against a lot of the cultural mindset or whatever. It sounds a little stifling that like I don't get to choose and someone is just giving this to me. But in reality, I think there's a lot of freedom in that I don't have to create something of myself. This is a gift that I've been given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah a lot of good advice, and and I do love that you you started with prayer. That so often as Christians we can just kind of maybe not even mention it or just assume it, but I mean it, it's vital. It's everything in this conversation, and then also your counsel to just kind of have the the long road in mind. That sometimes I think we can just let's get this fixed. Let's you know deal with this problem. There's this urgency, but just thinking of you know God's gracious and patient love and pursuit of us in in our life. And we can patiently and graciously walk alongside our children who might be, or students who might be struggling in this way. Um, I know we're going to be wrapping this up before too long, but Linda, I'd, I'd love for you to, to jump back in and then um, add some, some other things before we close this out. Yeah. One thing I was just thinking on, I was, let's see if I can word this question well. Um, so just thinking about bringing these topics up in a youth group setting, right, is uh, a hard thing in and of itself. Um, some students are going to be willing to talk about it. Some students might come from a home where it's really awkward to talk about that. And so you have to navigate so many different things, right? I wonder if you could speak some to, like, just how do you go about um bringing up these topics in youth group and maybe equipping your leaders to do that as well. Cause I know there's just so many people that would be listening to this. Some people might be in a bigger youth ministry setting where they have multiple staff. And so they have both genders on staff. Um, but then others are, Hey, it, it's just one person on staff. And I have to make sure that I'm communicating this well with the students of my gender, but then also I have to equip someone of, of the other gender to, to, make sure they're talking about these uh, issues with those students. Like how, how do you equip um, even the leaders to do that and just kind of create that atmosphere in your youth ministry as a whole? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it is, I mean, it is a, a tricky and complicated thing. I think though students are more and yes, come all different places and, make generalizations but I think in general students are more willing to talk about these kind of things because they already are you know there's already conversations with their friends and at school and in the news and I think a lot of them want to be able to engage those conversations better they want to understand what the bible says how am I supposed to think about things um so I do think it's important to hear it from the church uh you know, they're only going off of what they hear on social media or from their friends or at school or whatever. So um, I would say don't be afraid to tackle these issues in youth group. Um, I always try to, as I'm coaching my leaders, um, coach them to make sure that it is just a safe place for students to be able to, in our discussion groups, say answers that don't fit our theology or don't, you know, or share that their struggles and that there's never a reaction that just shuts that down. There might be times you need to 
graciously correct some theology or, or steer the conversation, but just that we can do that in ways that encourage good dialogue and encourage students just to, to start wherever they are and bring their honest answers. Um, and hopefully we can set them up well for those dialogues with our teaching time, you know, whatever that looks like, that we can frame things well and send them more to talk about how does this play out in real life and um, yeah. I don't know, as a as an aside, the Good Book Company is uh, putting together a free, a little freebie for youth workers on teaching if they want to use this book. Um, there's a guide for teaching it in youth groups or, or small groups or whatever that might look like for people. So that is a resource youth workers could look at on, awesome. their, on the Good Book Company's website. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Cause that, that's something I wanted to point to. I mean, in the book, there's a discussion guide at the end that people can use. And so for the parents out there listening, um, you know, with some of these heady topics and if, or just weighty topics, if there's some of you out there thinking, I don't think I could talk about this. I mean, it's easy to read this alongside your teen or student um, and then flip back to those sections and have the discussion questions that are there. And so it's, very helpful and user-friendly uh, in that way. But Jennifer, just want to, again, thank you, I mean, for your faithful service to God's kingdom, for your you know longevity in youth ministry, as well as just taking the time to put this resource out there, because I know this required a lot of work and uh, just, again, a lot of sensitivity on these topics. So thank you again for, for this and taking the time to come on today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me.